great. But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. We will you don't even have to think about it. So let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just what's up everybody welcome back to another episode of rams brothers the pod i'm your host dean and i'm joined by my brother and the other host of this show nick and nick a uh, lot circulating around the league obviously this weekend is nfc and afc championship weekend um, Nathaniel Hackett was hired as offensive coordinator. Frank for the uh, for the Jets. Frank Reich is on the move to the Panthers. But first and most importantly, before we jump into the episode, how are you, my brother? I'm good. For those watching on YouTube, I'm sorry. The theme song is not going anywhere. We're just running into some technical difficulties right now. If you're listening on audio, it was there anyway. So disregard. <laughs> Don't worry about that. You think it was uh, a copyright good, issue with uh, with Ryan Seacrest potentially? You think he filed a copyright complaint on the Rams brothers? Yeah. So my form, my former, uh, not employee, coworker Ryan Seacrest, uh, which is a real thing. I've been gifted two massages from that man. You can Google it. Um, haven't used either of them. Ryan Seacrest called me up and was like, "Nick, you know you can't be using this theme song anymore." And I was like, "Ryan, Ryan." let me use it and he was like all right fine so he's he's in the process of taking back his copyright claim oh good good i was getting more, more nervous there i was concerned i didn't know if we would be able to to move forward with our our theme song maybe we uh, on youtube we present a scaled back version but um that's the theme song it's not that important <laughs> the the coaching search nick it continues the rams's offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator search potentially continues if raheem morris does take a head coaching job so what i wanted to do in this episode before we talk about championship weekend was try to convince you of the two coordinators that i would really like the rams to hire if you're on that page then come along with me for the ride absolutely but before we do that i do want to touch on the Jets organization, as you previously yeah. had, had brought up. Um, so they fired this guy who you're going to sell me right now, Mike LaFleur. He's the younger brother of the other LaFleur. Um, so already I'm in. Uh, but they hired Nathaniel Hackett, who had historically one of the worst seasons as an offensive mind. Uh, if his team put up 20 points, just 20 with Russell Wilson – uh, a Hall of Fame quarterback, they would have had a record that would have potentially gotten them in the playoffs, at least a wild card spot, because mm -hmm. they held their opponents to like 19 points, but they kept losing because they couldn't get in the end zone. And now he's the Jets' offensive coordinator. <laughs> the Jets are such a poorly run organization. It is historic. I love it. I hate the Jets. I love to see them <laughs> continuously just make bonehead move after bonehead move. Nathaniel Hackett's a guy that has changed the narrative on Russell Wilson, one of the greatest quarterbacks of you know our era growing up. And I think he's going to be absolutely fine next year. I'm going to buy a lot of Denver stock 
when they announce their next head coach. Um, and I'm really excited to see that, but I'm also excited to see the Jets organization just continue to tumble down. Well, one, I think there's an argument made that Ajiro Vero should be the head coach of the Broncos, right? Because when Nathaniel Hackett was fired, he was potentially in the running for the interim head coach, said he didn't want the job. He wanted to remain the defense coordinator. There's that. Nathaniel Hackett going to the Jets, I think to me, is in parallel path with trying to sign Aaron Rodgers because overall that is a massive demotion in terms of coordinator, in terms of intelligence, right? I, I think that that move was specifically made because Aaron Rodgers gave him a ringing endorsement, which has continued his career progressing in the right direction, right? He's been a head coach. He has, has climbed up the ranks in terms of his uh, his coaching. So uh, it's, it's just a matter of, I think, time before they invest stock in Aaron Rodgers because now the narrative has switched to them and pressure ship pressure from the ownership and you know potentially from the GM as to where we have to trade for a veteran quarterback that's the missing piece with this team so a lot of parallels when it comes to the Jets when it comes to the Broncos obviously Vic Fangio and and Brandon Staley and Ajiro Averro and his history with the Rams so I'm going to start with Michael Floor wait I think just this is yeah, Can I do on. one more Jets thing, please? <laughs> sure. Before we get to the floor. Um, <laughs> just like the Jets are the kings of hiring these coordinators. Uh, do you remember this guy? I'm going to do an impression of him. Yeah, Adam Gase. Adam Gase, yeah. Who <laughs> rode the coattails of Peyton Manning as an offensive coordinator in Denver. Um, and I think it's just funny to see that connection that they're going to go after somebody that has, you know, record of the only thing that he did good was coach one of the greatest talents right. Right. ever between Peyton Manning and now Aaron Rodgers. And they expect those, you know, uh, skills to transfer when you get a quarterback like Zach Wilson or Russell Wilson, and they don't. So the the Jets are repeating history and continuing to fall on their face. And I, I'm here for it, but Let's talk about Mike LaFleur, who was able to string up a lot of great wins with Mike White, a quarterback well, strung who's up pretty bad. Yeah. yeah, he strung up. Well, I think they were seven and four at one point. They strung up, I think, five of six when Zach Wilson was coming back from injury. And then I think when he re-aggravated his injury, Mike White came in and there was no real drop-off. So I think it's – if and for those who are wondering, if you're listening to this episode, who Nick did an impression of, he widened his eyes about as wide as he possibly could. <laughs> which then relayed to me that he was referring to Adam Gase. So Michael Flornick, he spent five years of his career working with Kyle Shanahan. Already, that's a good thing. Essentially, from 2015 to 2016, he was an offensive assistant with the Atlanta Falcons, and then he made his way to San Francisco, all while being alongside of Kyle Shanahan. And he was promoted to the passing game coordinator and wide receiver coach. Another good thing, because we know how Rams like to assign hybrid duty to their, their staff and then spent 2019 and 2020 as just the pass game coordinator. So he took on a larger role and then kind of scaled it back to focus on the passing game um, while he was with Kyle Shanahan. And then obviously last year, two years ago, rather, he was hired to become the Jets offense coordinator. The Jets started the season last year, Nick, seven and four, despite some of the worst quarterback play that you could possibly get from a combination of Joe Flacco, Zach Wilson, and Mike White. And just to, to your point, how much you hate the Jets, the ending – dramatic fall from grace with the Jets where everybody thought they were a playoff team seven to four. They're finally moving in the right direction. They lost their last six games and in their final three games, they averaged just 11 points per game over that losing streak. So <laughs> hard time selling you anything after I read off that statistic, but 
in his first year with Rob Sala. And I think Rob Sala has some pretty good. Sala. Is it not Sala? Uh, you can, I think you can go either way. <laughs> Is it Brendan uh, Fraser? Or we'll, Fraser? We'll go Sala for the sake of this episode. We'll go Sala. Um, he, in his first year with Rob Sala, uh, the jets were obviously four and 13. So nothing to ride home about there, but before his first season even started, Sala came out and said uh, that the offensive scheme that Michael Floor is going to run with the Jets is the best scheme in the world. And then after his first season, Sala said, second time around as a coordinator, second year, it's only going to get better. Excited to see him grow. Fast forward a full calendar year, he is no longer with the staff. Um, but what happened was Sala told reporters that they received a lot of inquiries on Matt LaFleur, and they felt like it would be in everybody's best interest for him to pursue those opportunities specifically. And when reporters asked Rob Sala if ownership had pressured him, and this is what we were alluding to earlier, if ownership had pressured him and his staff into firing LaFleur, they said that they had given him and Joe Douglas full autonomy and then went on to say he's willing to upgrade the quarterback position in a big way, which very much framed to me as, listen, the only issue legitimately with this team isn't necessarily personnel. It's not the way that the roster's built. It's not leadership. It's specifically the quarterback. So maybe it is direct tied to leadership. Um, from a schematic standpoint, this is where I think the selling points are going to dive into. I think this is where I'm going to get you on the hook. So I think that there was a ton of creativity on display with the Jets when they won five of six, not during their six-game losing streak. And obviously some of that schematics was still there in terms of how their offense was structured. But when Zach Wilson returned from injury, they saw a little bit of a jump in terms of productivity. And I thought a majority of their play design was really good. Like it's surprisingly, you know, it's the Jets. It's almost dis you almost can't believe when they've designed a good play and they're continuing to execute it. And it's a different story if you don't necessarily have the personnel to execute it, right? Barrios and some rookie running backs and a younger tight end. You know, it's difficult, but they use a ton, a ton of motion, specific formations, personnel groupings to scheme guys open. And they were committed to running the ball. Like they ran RPO out of the gun was very common. It adds a completely different dimension to an offense, Nick, who was very much reliant on one thing over the last couple of years. You saw is that kind of, you know, trickled into the end of 2021 as they became overly reliant on empty sets and dedicated pass plays to Cooper Cup. You saw that kind of rear its ugly head in 2022 when the offensive line couldn't hold up its protection and plays couldn't develop down the field. And then in result, you end up getting your best player injured, right? Because your quarterback's out, he's hurt, and then your backups are on hospital balls. Um, so I think from a schematic standpoint, there's a lot there. Mike LaFleur, little brother, so far, how am I doing? Good. I think going back to the Jets organization and whenever the reporters are going to ask, did you feel pressured by the owners? Obviously, the, the coaches are going to say, oh, absolutely. Um, but I think that was the case. I think somebody had to fall on the sword this yep. year. Um, they didn't feel like it was appropriate to blame Zach Wilson because he is so young. Um, but I also think he – He's not getting away scot-free either. Uh, I think LaFleur fell on the sword, but I think the Jets' ownership was like, you can't keep him because he's out here campaigning for Joe Flacco, which apparently was was in-house talk. Um, and then also Jets' ownership was like, we got to bring in a quarterback because we can't keep doing it. That's it. Because I think everything that Salah and LaFleur developed last year was really good. I mean, they were – 
a playoff team early on. They peaked at the wrong time. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, for for what they had, I'm sure LaFleur is ready to work with a quarterback that is, you know, can actually do the job of a quarterback well. Exactly. Exactly. And so, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like halfway there because I think <laughs> – I think logistically he's, he, he's going to be the guy. It seems like the yeah. reports are coming out. When there's smoke, there's fire. And that's why we're having this conversation. Exactly right. I think that where there's smoke, there's fire. They did have a stretch that I think was the most impressive over the last 10 years of games in terms of the offense, the play design, the way that they dressed up plays. They dressed up seven or eight different plays, different ways. And this is what Kyle Shanahan's offense does really well. And this is obviously a disciple of Kyle Shanahan's offense, considering he was with them for five years, right? So different formations, different personnel groupings. It's the same stuff that we talk about during the season where we're looking for different personnel groupings, but everything's kind of built around the same key concept, the zone running game, the wide zone concept, the split zone action, positionless players, like receivers who can block at the line of scrimmage, conceal the edge, and they can block downfield. Backs who can get around the edge and then cut up field, like empty sets, 22 personnel, you name it. This Jets offense really did have it in their arsenal. And your offense, I think, can greatly benefit from that if you became one, you know, two one-dimensional over the last couple of years, which is kind of the category that the Rams' offense falls into. They ran a play, Nick, in the red zone, and I'm taking a very, very brief moment of time, but I know that they did this multiple times throughout the season where they were in the red zone against the Falcons in Atlanta, and it was a split zone action carry with Wilson and shotgun. They had the tight end come in motion, but it was a little hesitation motion. And then once the, the snap came off, he that, that tight end, full speed in motion, takes out the edge rusher, clears the lane for the running back, quarterbacks in shotgun, and it's just a clear lane, just a very, very simple split zone carry that you could just give to your back. You could walk into the end zone. Simplicity, the basics, that's what we need to get back to in terms of fundamentals with the Rams' offense. If you could do the basics and the fundamentals really well, like running the ball, right, and, and motion and pre-snap stuff, everything is going to be executed on the back end because they do have the personnel to be able to execute that kind of stuff. Maybe some adjustments, maybe like we talked about in the last episode, you need another kind of tight end that can block downfield that has a little bit more speed that's younger, another back that could potentially cut outside and then cut up field. So maybe somebody with a little bit more speed that could take some pressure off of Cam Akers. From a personnel perspective, though, those are a couple of just adjustments. I think from a, a fundamental standpoint and just building out your entire offense and adding different dimensions to it, this is going to be a guy that's just as innovative as anybody else that you're going to bring in. And I think that it's, he's going to be able to work well with Sean McVay because I think Sean McVay looks at him like a younger brother. Mm. Really? That's who I would want to hire, to be honest. If I had any say with ownership, I would say, let me bring in. And they have a great relationship with, with Matt LaFleur also. But right. having that younger brother on the sidelines that's just as equally innovative, that is on the fast track to eventually become a head coach, you want to be responsible for that, right, as as the older brother. so Right. I And – I think people know that, which is one of the reasons why I think LA is on top of the many other gorgeous landscape reasons why LA is fantastic. I think if you come to California and you are a coaching member, coaching fellow, whatever, on this Rams team, you kind of have a golden ticket in your pocket almost every year besides last year to get a high quality job, a head coaching job in this league. Um, just, History shows that McVeigh 
hire smart people. They come in the building. They do better than expected. And then, you know, every year there's always like five or six vacancies of head coaching jobs. And it seems like every year one of them is from the Rams. Yeah. Yeah. And th and that's what's so interesting about it is, you know, the guys that ended up leaving and here's the other side of it, right? If they end up leaving, they were asked to leave. They're right back in the position that they were in before the Rams hired them. Right now they have a little bit of coaching experience in the league and go right back to their college position. I think Car uh, Kevin Carberry came from Stanford. Uh, we saw Liam Cohn go back to Kentucky, right? So all opportunities don't necessarily, right? Like this is the one outlier of a season where there are a couple coaches right. on the staff who have gone in the opposite direction. But then there's Zach Robinson, there's Thomas Brown, there's Eric Henderson, all three staff members that aren't offense coordinators or defense coordinators that are getting head coaching interviews. With the Chargers, maybe, but still, yes. <laughs> still getting the interviews. So many just poached from the Chargers, uh, or poached from us for the mm -hmm. Chargers this year. I think Staley is panicking and knows that if he doesn't get a playoff win this year, he's probably out. Yeah, so why would you not try to take some of the best pieces of what you experienced when you were in Los Angeles? Yeah, I mean, you know, from an off year, it seems like McVay kind of wanted to get rid of any uh, everybody anyway. So, yeah, it's not that much of a of a you know hurdle, I should say, this year as it would be on any other year. Yeah, and I think it was very much of a let's see who's going to ride with this. You know, let's see who's going to be a part of it for the next couple of years. If you're thick-skinned enough and want to be a part of my staff and think you can grow within your role, definitely. If not, then you could look elsewhere. Yeah. And that was the opportunity that he had presented. So, Mike LaFleur, are you sold on him being the offense coordinator? Because I think with the Nathaniel Hackett news breaking, with the Frank Reich news breaking, I think that we're going to hear about it any moment. Yeah, and I'm glad that we're getting this out. It would be funny if we hear about it within the next 20 minutes. I'm keeping Are you on Twitter? Yeah, I'm keeping my Twitter. <laughs> I was going to say, keep your Twitter refreshed. refreshed. I I was I was pulling for um, Frank. Yeah. So yeah, understandable. I, but he is such a good head coaching candidate. I know he he has a winning head coaching record. That he is going to be. I think he's a great fit in Carolina. Um, I think you know he's somebody that's been through a carousel of quarterbacks. Is probably going to draft somebody and let them, you know, develop. Uh, yeah, and I'm really looking forward to to that team kind of coming from the ashes because they were pretty good last year. They were. And it's a shame because now Tom Brady's going to be out of that division probably again, so he won't have to face the hard Panthers. I would love to see the Panthers trade up to the number one overall pick and take C.J. Stroud. Mm. I think that that's totally in the of them. Panthers, you know? Well, you try to re-experience re the Cam Newton experience, mm -hmm. right? You know? Exactly. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I think that makes a little bit of sense. I, and I was just on Twitter recently. I saw some parallels between Cam Newton and Jalen Hurts and the way that their offenses are built and styled. So, you know, it's it's interesting the way that the league kind of evolves. Right now, Eagles fans don't want to hear that comparison. No, no. Eagles fans only want to hear good things, and I don't blame them right now. They then the other guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. The other guy that I wanted to sell you on was Jiro Averro. Um, oh, yeah. Hold on. I got this one thing I want to talk about before Ajiro, because sure. Ajiro, like myself, is a big gambler. <laughs> and if you're Ajiro, you're probably heading down to bet online. It's your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contest giveaways the whole season. 
always the fastest, always the easiest. Uh, bet your favorite sports events, NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, golf, uh, you name it. It's going to be on betonline.ag. Join, receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. It helps us out. Bet online where the game starts. Promo code BLEAV. Bet online. Give me a different ad to read. I'll still <laughs> read the same one over and over again if you want me to, but I can't keep saying <laughs> basketball's back. All right. Well, it's been back. Basketball's been back. Football's been back. And, uh, Football's over almost, all right? Yeah, championship weekend is upon us. Um, Okay, Ajiro Ajiro. Ajiro Averro. Don't get ahead of yourself. Ajiro Averro. Don't say his name. Ajiro Ajiro. Don't get ahead of yourself as you try to pronounce his name. Uh, Big. big Let me say this. Go ahead. Before you start talking about this guy, I'm going to make it known right now. Nikki. I'm speaking in third person, and I only call myself that when I'm talking to somebody in my family and your dean. So <laughs> Nick will say is running with Raheem. Okay. Hashtag. Okay, he wants to stick with Raheem. I right, do. I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to sell you out of Raheem. Okay. Because I th- I think that, and this is gonna be a bold statement. Give me I think is your, give me your elevator pitch one minute. <laughs> no, I, I need more than one minute. You know this. All of our listeners know this. All right. Um, How much equity do you want? 10%? Go ahead. Go, go ahead. And time me. Yeah, I uh, uh, two hundred and fifty for ten percent. Oh wow! So that values your company at two point five million. <laughs> yep, exactly. Rams Brothers isn't a two point five million dollar company. I'm in. <laughs> well done, fast math. We, uh, we don't really have a proven uh, proof of concept yet, right? What we're we're still in the works. of from Shark Tank. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> All roads lead back to Mr. Wonderful. No. Okay, Nick. Mr. Wonderful. Who Who's was it? At the end? Who was it? Robert? Robert. <laughs> it was Robert. He's always like, ha Charismatic Robert. If you have a second, anybody, go on YouTube and look up the, the clip where Robert gets into that Snuggie thing where he's all together in one and he's blanketed. He tries to get off of the bed and he whacks his head on the dresser. He is just a nutcase. You have to go back and watch it. I'll send it to I you. I gotta watch that. After we jump off. Speaking of nutcases, Raheem Morris. I think he's in that category. I think he's passionate. He's crazy. He's energetic. And players love him because of that. Ajiro Vero, I think, is the next Raheem Morris. Okay. I think he's four years younger. Exactly four years younger. He may not be quite as energetic just in terms of like me versus you, right? You have more physical energy than I do, mm-hmm. but he's equally as passionate. He runs that three, four base defense, variety of sub packages. They have the cover two shell with a cover five, cover six look. Kerr Warner does a really good breakdown on the way that Fangio Staley's Averro's defense has consistently evolved and they add wrinkles and variations to it. So if you can check that out, but it's a defense that wants you to hold on to the football. They want to be able to get after you while you're sitting in the pocket, trying to read the defense, changing things up frequently and giving the offense different looks is the key to the defense. And Fangio's defense in a nutshell, it counters off of so many different looks and and Averro's defense does this too. And I'm not sure how much Raheem Morris actually does do this because it doesn't necessarily seem like maybe one, they didn't have the personnel to be able to do it. And two, maybe they were just a little bit more conservative considering how bad the offense actually was. But quarter, quarter, half looks, different man packages. You'll see cover one, cover one robber, cover one cop, blitz zero. They'll rush with four. They drop an extra guy in the box that we need 
different looks consistently. And when you have Bobby Wagner and Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald on all three levels of your defense, you have to be able to come up with a scheme that complements all of those players. It's very much reliant, Nick, on you know great safety play. So two maybe potentially rookie rookie safety starting this upcoming year, which is a little bit nerve wracking. But like when Nathaniel Hackett was fired, we talked about this. Avero was offered the interim job. And he passed it up to remain the defense coordinator. And I think because of that, he's just, he's humble and he's clear and concise and he's very direct with how he functions with his players. The one thing that I really like that he said, he preaches being situational masters, meaning that on third down in the red zone, in the two minute drill, he wants his defense to own and dominate those situations and playing with great energy, physicality, being on the ball and playing with situational awareness are his like three foundational elements to his defense. And I think that being a former uh, safeties coach for the Rams in 2017 to 2020, he was a former safety growing up. Nathaniel Hackett was actually his teammate in college, believe it or not. Um, So maybe there was a dynamic between those two that didn't allow him to take the job. Uh, Who even knows? I'm sure it's, it's ridiculous drama that we, we can't even fathom, but Um, I think that he was a huge missing piece this past year. And I think it showed, right? He's going to be in his 16th NFL season. He started with Tampa all the way in in 2007. And I think that being a secondary guy, being a pass game coordinator, like he had such great experience with the Rams. And it seems like the second that he leaves, it's when our pass defense gets a little bit more suspect than it's been over the past couple of years. And a lot of that has to do with how great the offense was in 2021. It disguised some of the deficiency of the defense. In 2022, the offense reared its ugly head and the defense had to pay for its mistakes. So to me, I I just think that he's the next guy. I think he would be perfect again in Los Angeles. It's technically a promotion. My only concern is the fact that he could potentially get a head coaching offer. Right. I think he's had two interviews with the Colts. It's exactly what I have written down. I said my biggest quorum with Evero is that you're selling me on a guy who's completed two second interviews already. So, I mean, the talent, you know, and the mind is there, but realistically – He's probably going to get like a head coaching job. He's just my point is you shouldn't have let him out of the building. Yeah, I guess you no, can't. No, I mean that it. that I agree with for sure. Mm-hmm. But you know he's a peacock. You got to let him fly. <laughs> so here's the thing, though. Like if if he continues to take interviews and say the Colts go with Raheem Morris, or say they stick, it doesn't seem like Raheem Morris has any interviews outside of the Colts. Or maybe they're just making it yeah. the most public because they have such an outspoken owner. Um, but, but between the Colts and the Chargers, it seems like they've interviewed every single candidate for coordinator, both defensive and offensive and head coach. So I, I think that um, I think that Avero, from a schematic standpoint, is a perfect fit. And I think you're getting Fangio's scheme. You're getting Staley's age. You're getting Morris's respect with some of those younger players and some of those older players. And I think it's a really good reason as to why PFF brought up potentially re-signing Taylor Rapp, right? Because I don't know if you're confident enough in Quinton Lake and Russ Yeast Jordan Fuller, do you have to bring back Eric Weddle? Like the last time the Rams actually paid a safety was OJ Tagway in 2010, just 12 years ago, 13 years ago at this point. So like the back end of that defense is so highly important in a scheme like that. I don't know if you keep Raheem Morris, if you prioritize the same things in terms of personnel, um, but very, very interesting in terms of if I think they get these two guys, I think if you go you go Mike LaFleur and you go uh, Ajiro Vero, you're 
and you, and your goal is to win a couple of playoff games this year, you're in the back in that Super Bowl window. You're in a fast track to the playoffs, and then the following year you want to be able to get back into the Super Bowl. And that's what they've done under McVay and Snead. It's you have an off year, you go back to the playoffs, and then you go back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, yeah, I I mean, I think if you're that organization, our organization, the Rams, you're thinking about Super Bowl next year. For sure. Because you don't know how, yeah. how long you have with these guys. Yeah. All of them seem to be like, you know, walking the line of either retirement or just stepping away. So besides Les Snead, which is amazing because he's been around <laughs> since the Fisher era. Like that's the craziest, craziest part of it all is Snead is like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Which <laughs> the like, only constant is Les Snead and Eric Demoff and Tony Pafford. From an athlete standpoint, I totally, and especially the game of football, I totally understand walking away from like a job standpoint. Though, like, I'll never understand that. Like, no, I know. I know. If you're doing what you love, you like that's that's part of the joy in life. If you can get paid to do what you love on the highest level, I mean, I think that's what McVeigh did. He kind of took a step back and was like, "What am I doing? Like, you know, this is this is my life. I want to live it the way that that I have planned and set out to do." So why would I step away? Um, I think you just need to take kind of like five days of of saunas and maybe Burke and Williams massages. <laughs> so then he was able to realize that he was like, oh, yeah, I just, you know, I just needed to relax for a little bit. Which yeah, is crazy every- that like the pressures of that year, that crap year, were the one that got to him. He still isn't in Thailand. With Cliff Kingsbury. That's that all is, I know. Nobody's heard from Cliff Kingsbury. No, it's been weeks. Yeah. Somebody page Cliff. Mm. <laughs> so weird. So weird. Why Thailand? This is Hangover 2, the worst one. The worst one of the three. Oh, is that, I think the third, was it the third one that's in Thailand? Maybe, no, it, maybe it's the, it is second the second one. one. Right. That's, With the monkey. It's the Shrek 3 of the, of the Hangover movies, a.k.a. <laughs> by far the worst. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's happening with that. Like, we haven't even talked about him as a potential offensive coordinator candidate. It's not no, even in the cards. He disappeared into the night. I am. That's, that's what I'm telling you. That's why it's crazy. I think he still is a dark horse to like make his way on a team. Well, that's a, it's a good point, right? If Mike Lafleur ends up getting snagged by the Chargers or whomever it may be across the league, then uh, Cliff Kingsbury could, you know, potentially come back from from Thailand and join the staff overnight. I guess we'll see. He's got the money. So I was thinking about for Nick's picks. You know, I there's no song, right? Do we do we have a song for this one? No playoffs. Uh, I wanted to do uh, like a like a Nickelodeon remix, but I, I didn't have the time to be able to put it all together. Um, so really, what I'm explaining to you now is that I have nothing for you. Uh, <laughs> I no, could tell. I, I could see it in it. your face. I could see it in your face. You were excited. You were like, you have a song. I know you do. I just don't have that kind of time in my life. Then why um, did you even bring it up? <laughs> what was the point of that? Just because I was thinking about it, and I what was it what was it going to be? Or do you want to save it? No, it was, it was going to be some kind of variation of Nick, 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 and then Nicky's picky picks. Like yeah, that. something like yeah. that. Some some quick and simple. But uh, all right, you got it there. That was it. That was your live rendition. Oh, I hated it. <laughs> I hated the buildup for nothing. Are you surprised that my song was the worst of the 20 that you put together? No. No, that that doesn't even justify as a song. The worst one was was week three 
when I did Wayne's World and it, I just sung over it. So that came up in my head today. Like it just jumped into my head. The worst one came picks. up in your head? Uh, yeah. Just thinking it through. But yeah, this is championship weekend. So two things I'm going to say um, about championship weekend going into Knicks picks. One, I don't know how the world is just head over heels for Joe Burrow so much that they're forgetting about the ungodly combination that is Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Like Andy Reid is the second best coach ever, maybe like has to be top three. I think it's like, there's no debate. I mean, I don't know, like the old guys. No, I, I know what like you're saying. 60s. Hold on. Hold on. Let's, let's see where Andy Reid sits right now. I mean, like, Talk about people in the last 50 years. Like, like the people that come off the top of my head, Belichick number one, and then Tomlin and Reed, I think, are like right there, just swimming next to each other. In a I school. mean, Andy Reed, 221 career wins. Let's see where that ranks. I'm going to say it's in the top 10. It definitely is. Yeah. It's it definitely in the top 10. Yeah, so he is uh, he's number five right now. How many wins did I say he had? Two hundred oh, and some. Two hundred and twenty. Two hundred and twenty-one wins, which I, I think that doesn't even count playoff wins. So he's fifth all time in terms of head coaching. So yeah, Nick, I think there's a really yeah. good argument to be made that outside of Don Shula, George Hallis, and Tom Landry three hundred years ago, that Andy Reid is the second best head coach of all time. Yeah, exactly. Like. I am in love nine with the Chiefs games, in Nick? Arrowhead. Huh? It's a nine championship, nine championship games. games? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't care if Mahomes is hobbling. The kid's going to win Super Bowls. It's it's going to happen. They're my Super Bowl pick right now. One of my next picks right now is going to say it is going to be Kansas City plus two ten to win the Super Bowl, love um, it. and also Kansas City to win this game. Um, Kittle, anytime touchdown score. I'm going to take that as well. And then something I like that I think is worth a sprinkle, a little P. Ryan, not mm. Mixon, P. Ryan touchdown. They mm. go to him more in the red zone. So I'm going to go with a little P. Ryan, anytime touchdown score from that okay. game. So, like we got, so we got uh, two times Kansas City money lines, Super Bowl, End the game, and then we're taking Kelsey anytime, P Ryan anytime. So, so that's for that game. And then Eagles Niners, Dean. What I mean, you texted me, you, you just don't see a world where the Niners don't win, essentially. Add a little banner. <laughs> no, I don't see it. I don't see a world. <laughs> I don't see a world where the 49ers lose. Uh, and you know what? Playing in Philadelphia is such a difficult task, but um. And, you know, they're dealing with injuries, too. They are. Even if they're 80%, 90%, they're still a little bit banged up. McCaffrey's dealing with the calf. Mitchell's dealing with the groin. Um, and there's another player that's dealing with um, – with, I'm not sure who – I know Menahue's got an injury, too. So there's some some big-time players that are banged up on that roster. But um, I don't know. I think from a schematic standpoint, 49ers just play bully ball. And I don't know if the Eagles have seen a team this entire year that's as tough as San Francisco is. I think it's going to be a rude awakening punch in the face. But here's the thing. If Philadelphia gets off to an early lead, 
I don't know if San Francisco can overcome it. Yeah, that's the like if I'm Nick Sirianni and we win the coin flip, take the little Caesar cojones that you have and get the ball and score. And I think if you score on them, you make the score 10 nothing, 14 nothing. I think you can just I think that that could be game. That's the only yeah. thing we haven't really seen from Brock Purdy. He kind of did it in – well, he mean he did. He completed it in overtime thanks to a lot of help from another backup quarterback he was facing. Um, in Vegas was the only time we saw it. But Vegas during the end of the regular season when they're not even going into the playoffs is going to be nowhere close to what Philadelphia is going to bring. Nowhere close. I don't know if anybody outside of Buffalo actually understands how impactful that stadium is. Outside of Buffalo? You mean outside of Philly? No, I'm saying, I think Bills fans understand it, but I don't think. Oh, because because they have this. Uh, because they have it. They, they have that same type of, type of energy, that same type of drunken craziness, screaming at the top of their lungs. They, they want you out of their stadium, and they all they want to do is win. Yeah. It's the only thing that they want to do. I'm going to flash a picture. Nick, let me see of the four quarterbacks that are playing in this NFC championship. Obviously you got young Jalen, young Patrick, young Joe, and then there's uh there's Brock. So I, so, okay, okay. It's funny. We got it, but I don't even feel like I can disrespect or dislike Brock. I guess I could dislike him, but I can't disrespect Brock party until he loses. I think all of these young kids as football fans, we are just stoked to see young talent emerge like this and just be in the center of attention. Um, there's no Rodgers. There's no Brady. You know, there's no Flacco, I guess. I'm trying to think of the next old guy. Uh, Matt Ryan. Yeah, there's no um, Matt Ryan. There's no Big Ben. Right, Big Ben. Mm-hmm. Like, it is, it is beautiful. And as much as I can't stand some people in Philly that are Eagles fans or all of the Niners fans, Brock Purdy and Jalen Hurts are just such likable guys. And they're they're both really – and they're young and they're doing really good and I'm rooting for both of them. Um, I want to just take the Eagles minus two and a half. It just – like – it just seems to me in Philadelphia NFC Championship, it would be so weird to see them lose that game. I think and, a three-point win is a little bit of a bet with my heart. Yeah. Well, I think a three-point win is is very much in the cards, right? Because all they have I to think, do is they have to kick a game-winning field goal to cover the spread. I think is very doable. Right. To me, to me, the Super Bowl is Kansas City, Philadelphia, and Sirianni gets in the moment, and it's a little too big for his britches. It's a neutral field, and they blow it. Um, you know, similar to McVay, second-year head coach, playing yeah, against one of the greatest coaches. I'm afraid um, of um, I'm saying what we want to happen, right? Because what happened last week was we said what we wanted to happen, and then none of it happened. Yeah, All the opposite. Yeah. Well, I mean, I like I'm at the point where the only thing I really want to see is Patrick Mahomes just get another ring and do yeah, it on same. a year do it on a year where when we're not competing, you know, like I think so much of, of what happened last year 
was that we didn't have to see Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, and we didn't have to see Green Bay. Not to discredit anything that the Rams did, but I'm, that certainly helped them get the, the ring, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that game in Green Bay would have been much more difficult, I think. Well, regardless, was one of the most difficult NFC championships to get through to get to a Super Bowl in your own stadium. But still, yeah. you know, it's it's destiny. It happened the way that it needed to happen. My question was, do you have any disdain towards Joe Burrow if he does win a Super Bowl? Because I, there's a lot of conversation right now about him being the best quarterback, Patrick Mahomes being the best player, which is like this weird-ass conversation that ESPN oh. strung up. And I don't know if it was Dan Orflosky or whoever it was, but um, what's your thoughts on that? So much on paper about Joe Barrow, the guy I really like. He's a Mario fan. He like he's a cat guy, which all of a sudden I am. Um, he's got like, like Star, Star Wars, Wars guy. Yeah, Star Wars. I mean, I'm not a Star Wars fan at all, actually. But the fact that he's just willingly able to talk about that, I think, is cool. Um, you know, he just seems really chill, very likable. Yeah, like a family family dude. You're never hearing anything out of his camp that's like disrespectful. The only thing is I kind of been a little annoyed with the the media around him just already platforming him like he won the Super Bowl last yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, not his fault though, but his his personality doesn't match that kind of award the way that they did at Aaron Rodgers over the last 12 years. Well, and there's there's no arrogance that comes with it yet. There's the only arrogance I see is the outfits. And I like I'm always a little suspect of the guy that wants to dress the best. Because to me, like I that's the thing I could care least about. My public perception, I I'd rather be comfortable. Like I loved what Danny Jones did because that's exactly what Eli did, like walking in with like a golf shirt. Um, and I think when you do that and you you act the Cam Newton way, it invites the hate. So I'm indifferent on Joe Burrow. I'm yeah. so happy we beat them, though. If they would have beat us, I would be the biggest hater in the world. I'm trying to pull up the picture before the Super Bowl. Yeah, with like his like gray tiger outfit on. Oh, that's the one. That's the one. Okay, hold on one sec. I got yeah, it. Hold up. I got it. Yeah. And you know, that's the kind of thing too. Like, I feel like he, in terms of personality, kind of matches up with Matthew Stafford. Seems like he was a good young kid, you know, had a um, you know, a Southern college day and made a lot of good friends and drank a lot of beer. And um, then you show up to the Super Bowl wearing something like this. While Meanwhile, Matthew Stafford's wearing his, his ALO hat, right? He's wearing a white t-shirt, everything yeah. that's su super simplistic, right? And it makes all the difference. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having issues pulling up this picture. Regardless, I'll flash it once we get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like, exactly like Stafford on the other, on the other foot is just has a job to do. Yeah, you know? exactly. So exactly. I feel like that's always, to me, that's always the thing that I'm looking for. Yeah, you want the guys to be able to get the job done, right? If he shows up to the Super Bowl again, I'll dress like that. There's a lot of going to be a lot of unhappy fans. He's got to get there, though, first. Yeah, exactly. He's got to get through uh, arguably the best quarterback in our time. So I want to go through your picks again before we uh, before we sign off. Okay. Do you want me to run him back? Yeah, let's run him back, but say I'm slow so I can log him okay. into the system. So we got Kansas City money line over the Bengals. 
We got Kansas Thanks. City to win the Super Bowl. Kansas City money Kelsey. line over the Bengals. Yeah. KC to yeah, win the like Super that. Bowl. KC to win the Super Bowl. Travis Kelsey, anytime touchdown scorer. Kelsey and, and Peter Ryan, anytime touchdown scorers. And yep. then I'm going to throw in the Birds minus two and a half. Birds minus 2.5. Lock it in. Yeah. And then if you want, um, parlay it all. <laughs> Just parlay it all. Okay. What a hit that would be. Nick's final all. piece of advice. Yeah, flashed on the screen. And then keep betting on the, on the New Jersey Devils because for whatever reason, they're so hot right now. Don't you mean the New Jersey Sea Dragons? Oh, the Swamp Dragons, you mean. Oh, Swamp Dragons. I'm so, I'm so very sorry. I wish, man. <laughs> what could have been? Mm. I never would have thought we would have signed out our episode this way, but here we are. Nick's picks wrapped up. Uh, the coordinator search continues. Make sure you guys like and subscribe if you're enjoying the content. If you do very much enjoy it, send us a note. Right, And if you're not enjoying it, if there's something that's off that's bugging you, send us a note also because we want to make sure that the show is getting better. We appreciate your guys' support so much. Can't wait for championship weekend. And uh, Nick, always fun with you, my brother. You too, man. Appreciate it. Good job by you, buddy. (laughs) Go Rams, go Birds, and uh, go Chiefs. Yeah, Yeah. go Birds. All right. How about you win some bets this weekend? Not you, everybody. Yeah. Listen to your local expert gambling man, Uncle Nicky. Love it. Love it, Unky Nicky. Peace. Go Rams. Peace. Horns up.